0: This is an AMI podcast. Dive into The Walrus, Canada's top general interest magazine. Enjoy a carefully curated selection of engaging articles, essays, and more voiced by professional narrators. Listen to Voices of the Walrus today on your favorite podcasting app or platform.
1: As many of you have probably already figured out, the sound you're hearing is me paddling a canoe on a quiet lake. Welcome back to Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther. The canoe is an amazing way to move through nature without causing a disturbance. In honour of World Rivers Day, September 27th, we're going to be talking rivers with Miss Lily bucket list river options in canada with mark angelo a canadian that's paddled over a thousand rivers in a hundred different countries and the founder world rivers day we'll be getting some outdoor tips from mark angelo as well on picking the right paddle and canoe and ending the podcast as always with some campfire reflections from me lawrence gunther i'll catch up with you back at the campsite Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Hey, Lily, what do you got for us today?
2: The rivers in Canada and the ones that like go through Canada in the U.S.
1: Well, that's that's cool. So we're talking Canadian rivers. That's, it's World Rivers Day on September 27th, but you know that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So all right. So. Sure.
2: Okay. <laughs> I totally knew that. <laughs>
1: I'm schooling you. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So, tell me about rivers. What, what, what are we doing here? Well,
2: there are nine rivers that flow through Canada and the U.S. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, the Yukon River, the Columbia River, the Porcupine, and the Kootenay River yeah. start in Canada and end in the U.S. And end in... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, And
2: then the Milk River, the Pandare,
1: yeah.
2: the St. Lawrence, and... The Saint John's all start in the U.S. and end in Canada.
1: The Saint Lawrence starts in the U.S. and ends in Canada. That's interesting.
2: Oh, poor baby, are you sad? Well,
1: <laughs> stop it! <laughs>
2: you all
1: <sad>? right. <laughs> well, I kind of like the. You know, I didn't know my namesake was American. I'm a little disappointed, but mm-hmm, we'll yeah. live with it.
2: Okay. Well.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. All right. What else you got?
2: Okay. Well. We're going to do, like, a little questionnaire about, Uh, like, the five longest rivers in Canada.
1: No problem. I can tell you that.
2: All right. What's the fifth longest river in Canada?
1: The fifth longest. Yeah. Well, I think I know the longest, but I'm not sure about the fifth longest. Okay.
2: What's the longest?
1: No. Let's start with the fifth. Okay. Because we'll start with the... Let's work our way up. Mm -hmm. The fifth longest river in Canada, I'm guessing, is the St. Lawrence River. No. What is it?
2: Slave River,
1: Slave River, yeah. Never heard of that. It must be way up in the Northwest Territories. Slave Lake, Slave River.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it goes. It's in Alberta and the Northwest Territories.
1: And how long is the Slave River? Mm,
2: Two thousand three hundred thirty-eight kilometers.
1: And how long is the Saint Lawrence River?
2: The Saint Lawrence River is three thousand fifty-eight kilometers, and that's number three. Uh, it's-
1: <laughs> Oh, well, I wasn't that far off then. Yeah, but this is a
2: list of five.
1: Okay, all right, so the St. Lawrence is number three. 3,000, what? 3,000? 3,058
2: kilometers.
1: 3,058,
2: wow. And it goes into the, like, it's the river that goes into the most, like, territories and places. It goes into Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ontario, Michigan, Ohio, New York, and Quebec.
1: You know, we're starting. We're talking about the very start of the St. Lawrence River that's headwaters and all the way down to the Gulf of St. Lawrence where, it, where the mouth of the river is, aren't, aren't we? Yeah. That's cool. That's cool because, you know, I paddled a big chunk of that river back in 1977 with my venture company, you know, Boy Scouts. We paddled from Toronto down Lake Ontario all the way down the St. Lawrence River. And then across the Gaspé Peninsula, we Portage, and then over to PEI for the Scout Jamboree in 1977.
2: Yeah, your little boy club did that.
1: Uh, My venture club. We were big boys.
2: Okay, sure, right.
1: (laughs) All right, what's the fourth longest river? Is that your your nugget?
2: Sure, (laughs) the Nelson River. Is it? Yeah.
1: That's another one way up there. Where's the Nelson?
2: It's in Manitoba, and it's uh, 2,575 kilometers. Wow,
1: that's way up there too, eh? This,
2: yeah, and the second biggest is the Yukon River. The go-
1: second, hang on, I thought the Yukon River was the longest. No. The Yukon no. River starts no. in Canada and ends, goes through Alaska, right?
2: Uh, yeah, British Columbia, Yukon, and Alaska. Oh, wow. And it's 3,185 kilometers.
1: I, I was at the Yukon River when I did that uh, that uh, one hour Documentary with Dave Brown up on the Yukon Territory. Yeah, I remember that. Postcards with the. Uh, you ate a from... lot
2: of a lot of stuff there. Ate a lot.
1: Well, we we were up there for I think eight days, and we did a lot of food, uh, meeting a lot of chefs and, and really things. Really cute puppies. And puppy. Oh yeah, really the sled dogs. You guys got to check that out. Hey, listeners, check that out. Look, Google AMI TV postcards from the Yukon. It's a great session we did up there. We did a 55 minute documentary. Uh, all it's on described, YouTube. all described, all on YouTube. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
2: So, do you want to know what the longest river is? Well, can I guess? Sure, go ahead.
1: I'm guessing the Fraser River.
2: No, you're wrong.
1: Well, how long is the Fraser River?
2: Sh- I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? No, that's not on the top five.
1: Okay, well, how so l-
2: it's no, it's not on the top five. So it's not even the it's not even close to being the longest. It's the Mackenzie River.
1: The Mackenzie.
2: Yeah, and it's in all in the Northwest Territories. And it's 4,241 kilometers.
1: And how many provinces does it flow through?
2: Just the Northwest Territories. That's it. Yeah.
1: 4,000 kilometers in the Northwest Territories. Yeah. Wow. So
2: sorry about your little Fraser River. (laughs) I don't think it even made the top 10. It might have, though.
1: I don't know. It might have. We'll we'll have to look that up. (laughs) Yeah. But the Mackenzie River, I spent, I've been up there a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. Because it goes, the Mackenzie Delta, like the river sort of, branches into a a delta, which is a whole series of islands that it flows through, and uh, that's right near Inuvik, which is sort of one of the main cities up in the Northwest Territories, and I've been up there a few times, and uh, the last time I went up there, I was fishing on the Mackenzie River on June 21st, which is summer solstice which uh, is the longest day of the year, which means the sun never goes down. It tries going down a couple times. It gets close to touching the horizon, but then it just pops right up back up again. I tell nice. Lily, midnight, I'm standing in this guy's boat in the middle of God only knows where on the Mackenzie Delta, you know, 15 islands away from Nuvik, the city. And the sun is directly over our heads at midnight. We wow. fished all night. We've, we got back at six in the morning. Still, it was still it a bright, brilliant day. It was uh, it was one of the best fishing trips of my life. I have nice, to admit. Nice, nice. Oh yeah. That's,
2: so that's the five longest rivers. That's,
1: so read them in order: longest, Mackenzie, Mackenzie
2: River, the Yukon River, the Saint Lawrence River, Nelson River, and the Slave River.
1: And then the slave, and they're all pretty much up north. Yeah. Wow. Oh, except for the Saint Lawrence.
2: Well, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's uh, well. Thank you. Thank you for doing that.
2: Yeah. Dumb dog. <laughs> He's chewing on everyone's feet.
1: He's chewing on my sock. He's He's chewing
2: on my feet.
1: Time for the bucket list. We're talking with Mark Angelo. He is the founder of World's Rivers Day. And that's coming up September 27th, an annual event. And the chairman of the BC Rivers Day and a a paddler of a hundred... Countries, a thousand rivers. Mark, tell us about some of your favorite rivers in Canada. Like, I'd love to hear about some of your favorite uh, adventures in Canada and places that we should all put on our bucket list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've, uh, uh, I've got obviously a soft spot for the, the Fraser River. It's kind of my home river. You know, I've lived in this watershed for so long. Uh, but, you know, there are so many others, you know, there are, are rivers like the Cowichan on, on Vancouver Island, oh, which yeah. I love. I just did a great little paddle trip on the Cowichan with our children and grandchildren, the same trip I did with our kids 30 some odd years ago. And uh, so that's a river that, you know, I get drawn back to. But, but you know, you look across our country, you know, we've got rivers like the North Saskatchewan and Alberta and Saskatchewan. You, uh, you've got the... Uh, the red in Manitoba, you've got the St. Croix in New Brunswick, uh, uh the Mackenzie and the Nahanni up north in the territories, uh, uh, the, the Shelbourne in Nova Scotia where my wife is from, uh. Okay. Uh, uh, the, up in the Yukon, you've got these great rivers like the Tachinchini, the Alsac, uh, the Firth is one of my favorite, I'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, you know I could just go on and on, the Gatineau, the Bonaventure in Quebec, uh, we just live in this country that has simply amazing rivers uh, you know, some of my my special I guess, memories from a paddling perspective in our country, uh, you know, I think of the, the Nahani, mm. you know, which is this classic, you know, paddling river, you know, uh, uh, in the honey national park. It's just, uh, you know, a breathtaking and, and very magical waterway.
1: Uh, you're in the tundra you know, there, got, right? You're in the, tundra. yeah,
0: you, and you've got Virginia falls there, you know, in uh-huh. the territories, which is so special, but and from a wildlife point of view, you know, in terms of, you know, seeing moose or caribou or doll sheep or grizzlies, uh, it's an amazing waterway. Uh, wow. uh, another one of my favorite is the, the Firth river in the Northern Yukon. It's, uh, you know, one of my great memories there uh, is we woke up one morning on that trip and were literally surrounded by the porcupine caribou herd in, in the midst of their migration. And a good chunk, not the entire herd, but a large number of caribou literally surrounded our camp. You know, they were just feeding on the, woke up and looked out our tent. And to see all of these animals, it was just uh, an experience that I'll never forget.
1: Wow, that sounds amazing, you know, to hear all their little snorks and honks and things like that. Their foot, you know, falls on all around you. Then you wake up and you look out and you say, what is making all that noise?
0: (laughs) Oh, it was incredible. And we were also up there, you know, during the, the, you know, the Arctic Char, where the run was at its peak. And uh, (laughs) to go out and to fly fish for Arctic Char, it was uh, Mm -hmm. just this magical experience, this magical uh, experience. river and you know certainly i you know it's a river that's yeah you know, it's another river that's dear to my heart and uh and you know i go across the country i think of rivers like the blood Vain in manitoba or the french river in ontario the humber river you I'm know done uh, it.
1: yeah done it. and,
0: and, and it's a river you know yeah. and, uh, one thing that impressed me you know my time on the humber river you know it you know it, it empties into lake ontario you know not far from downtown toronto it's a uh, but, you know, we had this amazing trip on it. Not, you know, uh, we, di- we didn't see a whole lot of people on the when we were out there, but, you know, we were catching brook trout and, you know, some brown trout. But the one thing about the Humber, uh, you know, to have such a great outing on a river close to where many people live, it, it, to me it highlights the fact that with good management we can maintain, you know, some great opportunities cl- close to where most Canadians live. You know, but, uh, but obviously to succeed in doing that, you have to have a real management plan. There has to be a real effort. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, yeah. I feel very fortunate. Uh, another favorite of mine I'll, I'll just yeah, yeah. You know, quickly yeah. quickly mention is uh, the Blackwater River. Uh, it's west of Quesnel, but it's another great paddling river, you know, uh, in our province that uh, uh, an incredibly uh, productive fishery. And, you know, I have memories of our trips there and tying flies, catching insects, tying flies to, to match those insects. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful paddling river, rafting or canoeing. And, uh, yeah, so we just have this incredible number, this great diversity of, of river outings in our country, uh, so many amazing waterways to explore.
1: There really is. And I, I love the part about rivers that you put in at one spot and you take out at another. And, it, and normally... It's all downstream, right? So <laughs> <laughs> so the effort is there, but you're really making distance. You're really covering territory you're in a canoe. It's amazing how far you can go. And you notice that when you drive back to get your car where you start from, You know, and you really, wow, we we paddled all that way in three days. That's amazing, you know. It's like, it's totally doable. And it gives you a sense of why these explorers were able to do that, you know, cross Canada, you know, bring furs in, out and and trade goods in, in canoes, you know, and cover these tremendous distances because you can, you can do it with the paddle.
0: Well, when you're on a, a, you know, rivers like the ones we've been talking about, you appreciate how... You know, so long ago, rivers were literally the, the very first highways, the early highways of, of our country. Yeah. You think of the role that rivers played and that the canoe has played, you know, in, in the exploration, the development of our country. Uh, yeah, it's uh, to spend a, a number of days on one particular river and you get immersed in it. Uh, trips like that make you look at things in a very different way.
1: I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I've read some books about First Nations people and their the way they use the river, like you said, as their highways, their way of trading and communicating and, and following game and, you know, moving with the seasons. And then, you know, the settlers that came over from Europe and how they, in Quebec, all their farms faced the river, right? Everything faced the river. The river was the uh, the, the lifeblood of all the communities. It was the way you traveled. It There was no other choices you went by river and then at some point we turned our backs on them didn't we
0: yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, we, we kind of lost our way for a little bit. Yeah. You know, but, you know, going back to the Blackwater River I was talking about a few minutes ago, yeah. uh, in our Chilcotin region, uh, that's a river that has this amazing history as well. You know, it's got an amazing history from, a uh, an indigenous perspective. It also has an amazing history in that it was part of a, uh, the trail used by Alexander Mackenzie. Oh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. when he undertook that, that, that journey, that to the Pacific Ocean way back in 1793.
1: First guy, first uh, one to do it. Good cross Canada by a canoe.
0: So it's experiences like that that make you look at things in a different way, make you appreciate the history of our great country uh, to a greater extent. And, uh, uh, yeah, and you realize that, you know, rivers and, and, and things like a canoe, you know, are just so important, such a big part of Canada's history.
1: You know, most times when you're paddling a river like this, do you have to book your campgrounds in advance or... Do you just pick, you know, places as you go?
0: Well, it it depends, you know. There are some rivers that, you know, are less regulated than others, you know. So it depends where you are in our country. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, some of the rivers I paddle, you know, there are kind of designated spots, you know, that they want you to camp in. Others are a little more wide open. Like uh, when we were on the Blackwater, it's, it's a little more wide open. But, uh, that's something that depending on the river you're going on, you've got to look into what, uh, requirements or regulations might be in place along those lines. Uh, a lot of private landowners are not too keen on people just, you know, pulling their boat off on their property and, uh, yeah. uh, so you just have to be aware. And as you said, for any river trip, you'd want to do your homework and, and, uh, and gather as much information as you can.
1: Then, then there's the difference between the you know fast-moving rivers with white water, and and slow-moving rivers like the Humber that you mentioned, which is just a real meandering river. It's just you know with no real fast water to speak of. You know nothing technical. It's just a meandering river that that's you know right in the middle of the GTA, Greater Toronto Area, and you you plunk your canoe in and boom, all of a sudden you think you're in the wilderness. It's absolutely astonishing. <laughs> absolutely astonishing.
0: Oh, I know. And, and you know, you also raise another good point. Uh, the great thing about river travel, there are so many different kinds of rivers, you know, mm. small streams, big streams, uh, streams that are, might be an alpine forest land or, or, or more arid, you know, parts of, of our country, uh, streams that meander, streams that are kind of riffle pool, streams that are uh, lots of whitewater streams that are very placid. Uh, the great thing about river travel is that every river is different and every river offers a, a different and unique experience.
1: So so the, I guess the point, you know what to expect. I mean, if you're going on a river and it's full of whitewater, you got to know what kind of whitewater, and you've got to have the gear to go along with that and the experience and the guides and so on. And if it's sort of a, more of a meandering river, it's a, you know, like, you know, that Humber River, man, you don't want to do that with a canoe with three keels on it because you got to be turning all the time and a canoe with three <laughs> keels does not turn that well. <laughs> I learned that oh, the man. hard way.
0: <laughs> oh, well, you, well, I think we've all had, had experiences like that, but you're so right. You know, just, yeah. uh, uh, learn all you can, make sure you have the information that you need, make sure you have the gear that you need. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that you take all the precautions, you know, uh, possible and, uh, uh, just prepare. And in this day and age, you know, that should apply to pretty much any trip you do. You just have to to do your homework and properly prepare. But, you know, the great thing about B.C. and the great thing about pretty much anywhere in Canada, uh, you know, for most parts of the country, you've got great river opportunities and fishing opportunities, you know, not that far away no, no, uh, and river. uh yeah. and if you want to do a major journey and and drive a greater distance then obviously there's a wealth of opportunities along those lines uh you know another river too that i i fish a lot on is is our own fraser river uh uh whether that be for 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 salmon or or, or sturgeon yeah. uh, or or other uh, uh but you know i live very close to the fraser so uh you know, I feel, once again, very fortunate. There are great opportunities in close proximity, you know, to where I live and uh, places I can take my grandkids to.
1: And we're really spoiled here in Canada. I mean, like, I got the Rideau River on one side of me, like, four blocks one way, and I can walk about six, seven blocks the other way, and I'm at the Ottawa River and, you know, cross that, and I'm at the, the Gatineau River. So there's just, you, a, you know, we're just spoiled. Uh, yeah. Everywhere I mean sometimes like I said, we turn our back on some of these smaller rivers, so you have to go and look for them a bit, but they 're there they 're there. Talk to us quickly about the documentary uh, it 's a beautiful mission you set yourself uh, and it's something everyone should watch when, when when can we see this
0: oh well, Lawrence, thank you uh, yeah, last paddle um, one life, a thousand rivers uh, it 's going to start the international Film uh, festival circuit uh, in the new year uh, it 'll then work its way. Uh, Uh, across Canada. It'll be available for streaming, you know, probably late next year, but, you know, the film really is, uh, uh, it it, it makes a plea to to cherish and better care for our life-giving waterways. Uh, It also encourages others, you know, to become environmental champions or uh, and river stewards in their own right, and uh, we also offering some insights on, hopefully, how we might attain a, a more sustainable future. So, uh, so it's a film that w- we're certainly excited about.
1: Yeah, me too, me too. I, I, I watched, the, I listened to that trailer, and I think, oh, my God, this is, this is not only just about canoeing, this is about uh, a call to action, man, and good for you.
0: Uh, well, thank you so much, Lawrence. And I greatly appreciate all that you do.
1: Thanks, man. That means a lot to me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's talk gear a bit, Mark. You know, how do you pick the right paddle?
0: Well, you know, so much depends on, on one's, uh, you know, level of comfort, uh, you know, your your height. I pick a paddle that comes right to my chest plate, you know, that uh, that that feels right to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of this is, is individual preference, you know. But uh, when it comes to gear, too, are, are you into, are you talking uh obviously canoeing uh, or rafting kayaking you know they they're, they're all, different. all different um but you know just speaking from a uh a canoeing perspective in terms of gear I'll, I'll just quickly mention that uh uh you have to give a lot of thought if you're into buying gear give a lot of thought as to where you plan to paddle um, also for how long. Are you looking at short day trips or multi-day trips? Uh, what conditions do you want to encounter? Uh, we've talked a little bit about lake and flat water opportunities. Uh, well, when picking a canoe as an example, you know, those boats tend to be flat-bottomed. Uh, they emphasize stability. Um, once again, then you have to ask yourself, are you looking at, at overnight trips? If so, maybe a tripping canoe might be a little bit better and that it's got uh, uh, a rounded, deeper shape that can hold more gear. Yeah. You want to do solo canoeing, and yeah, that's another thing that can affect the boat. They're designed for faster water. Uh, they seem a little tippier when you get in them, but that's only so you, you can lean over uh, a fair bit, still without capsizing, obviously, but that allows you, allows for more aggressive paddling. When you're picking a, a canoe, uh, give some thought as to where do you want to or what are your plans yeah. in terms of paddling up. For instance, uh, are you looking at primarily day trips or multi-day trips? What conditions do you want to encounter? Are you looking at flat water or white water? Uh, if you're interested primarily in, let's say, lakes and flat water, those boats tend to be flat-bottomed and uh, um, they emphasize, you know, the yeah. good stable boats. Yeah if you're planning on overnighters then you should look maybe at a tripping canoe uh which can hold a little more gear um or if you're going to be doing solo canoe trips then too that's something you should know up front and yeah. think about before you make your purchase if you're in, if you're interested in the river or whitewater side of things uh then you're talking about boats that are designed for faster water boats that can accommodate uh, a more aggressive kind of paddling um, uh, approach. Uh, and the turning, other big yeah. choice to think about is if if you decide whether you're a lake or flat water person or a river person or a river and whitewater person, or you want kind of a boat that kind of straddles the both of them, uh, then you think about things like hull materials. You can yeah. look at things like plastic or polyethylene. Tough as nails. Uh,
1: Tough as nails. Uh, yeah. Great and boats. High quali-
0: yeah. You bet. And high quality boats have at least three separate hull layers that kind of sandwich an inner layer of foam. Uh, uh, that's one option. Yeah. There are also some great fiber or fiber component boats out there made of layers of fabric and carbon fiber and Kevlar and, or other materials. Super lightweight. The, yeah. The advantage of those boats, they're 20% lighter, yeah. Uh, yeah. and they're, they're faster and more efficient, but they tend to be more expensive. Oh, yeah. uh, if I had to offer kind of one... Uh, bit of advice without getting into all the other things about, you know, the width of a canoe or the sidewall shape or, uh, but if I just had to offer one bit of advice, I think the most important thing is see if you can arrange a bit of a test drive for the canoe you're going to buy. Uh, if, uh, uh, just to make sure it's the canoe for you. Mm. Um, but there, there's all those things to consider before you go out and make a purchase.
1: Thank you so much for that. Uh, There is a lot to think about uh, for sure. I mean, you know, if you have to do a lot of portage and some of those fiber, carbon fiber boats, uh, they're so light. They make all the difference when you're carrying that thing on your shoulders. I mean, I love those, those plastic boats, like you said, with the foam, you know, they never sink that you can bounce them off rocks. They never crack. But they're a little heavier, and if you're going to do a lot of portage, I tell you one thing: when we portage some of those plastic boats, we don't even take the gear out. We just skid them, we just drag them over the ground, and the, from one <laughs> end over the rocks and back into the river, they just they take it. They just take it, you know. They don't care. It, you know, they're meant to be beat up like that. They they it doesn't seem to hurt them that much. But, well, uh, I think
0: we've all had some portaging experiences where we were carrying boats uh, uh, that were quite a bit heavier <laughs> than we would have liked. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
1: Happy World Rivers Day, everyone. This is a Canadian event that started in Canada by Mark Angelo back in 1975. He built it up, he got UN recognition for it, and now it's worldwide. It's, it's an amazing thing that Canadians can do this, can have a world influence, you know? And why shouldn't we? I mean, we have one of the most amazing environments in the world. Miss Lily brought some of that to our attention for sure with her skill testing questions and information nuggets about Canada's rivers. And so many of our largest rivers are north of the 60th parallel. That's the line that goes across, you know, the top of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and separates the Northwest Territories and the Yukon Territories and none of it from the southern half of Canada. Everything up there. And that's where all the big rivers are, apparently, except for the St. Lawrence, the mighty St. Lawrence, my favorite. Well, they're all my favorite. I just haven't been to them all yet. So I'm adding a bunch to my bucket list, thanks to Mark Angelo. And uh, we had some fun learning about picking the right paddle and the right canoe. There's a lot to it, you know, there's so many different ways to make these things and build these things. So uh, follow Mark's advice for sure. You know, as a blind paddler myself, you can in a canoe. You can be in the back of the canoe with low vision. As long as you can see the shoreline, you can sort of steer your way down the lake. And that's great. You know, being in the back and steering, I love it. But if you don't have enough vision to see the shoreline, or the rocks, you should be in the front. Now, normally the person in the bow has to look out for rocks and things, but if you're on a lake, it's pretty easy to avoid rocks, you just avoid the shore. So the person in the front is the engine, and having two strokes, that's all you need to know. You need to know how to draw, so that means reach out to the left, and pull the water straight towards the side of the canoe or reach out to the right and pull the water straight towards the side of the canoe. And to be able to do that without missing a beat, you know, stroke, 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 draw. Because when you hear that command to draw, you've got to react pretty quick and you don't want to flip the canoe. But if you don't do it quick, you're going to hit a rock or a stump or some other obstacle that's causing the person in the back of the canoe to issue that command to turn the canoe fast. That's what a draw does. It turns it fast. The other thing you need to know how to do, and not many people know how to do this well in the bow, is paddle straight. You know, the canoe slopes around to the bow. The tendency is to follow the side of the canoe with your paddle, but what you're doing is you're pulling your canoe to the side all the time by following the gunnel of the canoe. Always picture yourself pointing straight ahead, anchor yourself to your seat, and reach straight out from the seat. So that means you're not following the side of the canoe. You're reaching straight forward and you're pulling the water back towards your waist and towards the side of the canoe. And then you're going to come into contact with the canoe almost, but you don't want to be banging the canoe because that's just annoying. So then reach forward again. Now, if you can do that, if you can paddle straight instead of following the edge of the canoe and pulling the canoe sideways, you're going to make the person in the stern's life a lot easier. You're going to go straight. You're going to go faster and easier. And you're going to be welcome in that canoe anytime. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or visit me at lawrencedunther.com to keep up to date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. We're dropping new episodes every Friday, folks. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments on your podcast provider's site so other people will learn about our new show. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazrin Abdel-Majid, Sam Robinson, and Paula Denine. They're my technicians. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. I'm Lawrence Gunther, and thanks for joining us here on Outdoors with me, Lawrence Gunther. And uh, thanks from Lily, too. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media...